I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> going to give the audience what I think they want. They want chasing and car crashes. They want the cops to bend the rules to get the job done. They want the boy to get the girl. They want the good guy to win. They want the bad guy to die. Hopefully in the biggest explosion the budget will allow. But most importantly, Senator, they want to walk into a theater and for 90 minutes forget the fucking mess that you have left of this nation. Go get your bubblegum. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome back to All Out of Bubblegum, the podcast. My name is Brenton. I'm here again with Rudadal and Martin. How are you guys Hello. doing today? Hello. Mm. Well, we I'm are doing all right. Okay. Well, we are here <laughs> to talk about the uh, kill count pages in general, but in specific, we're talking about the induction of Chang Pei Pei getting her own page on the website. Um, just a quick uh, run over here. The kill counts are somewhat of a Hall of Fame, but uh, mostly uh, a way to sort of keep track of the the on-screen deaths caused by these actors and actresses. Yeah, it's mostly for action heroes. Started out by giving them to the like the big huge names like the first couple were like Chow Yun-Fat, Bruce Willis, Steven Skull, Shogun Van Damme, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, you know. And then eventually it's and just been building on with more and more names. Yep. Uh it is uh some a few years ago I kind of opened it up to be a little more broadly user-based. Um so every page every number is sort of up for peer review in that way where anybody can come in and question oh is this really the is this does this count as a death does this count as a kill that sort of thing um it just makes it a lot more accurate i think it's we've kind of become a wikipedia of uh, on-screen kills yeah and then at a certain point uh People started submitting who they wanted, basically doing like lobbying for uh, who they think should be added to the Hall of Fame. I know I, yes. I myself successfully lobbied in people like Steve James and uh, Lauren Avedon, smaller names on the grander scale. But, you know, names nonetheless, if you're uh, a fan of the genre, um, depending on how deep that love goes... Um, you will recognize most of the names, uh, if not all of them. But then I think that the other great thing about this is that you will see names from people you don't know, and you'll just discover an entire you know, section of the genre that you've probably never even seen. And I think uh, Chang Pei Pei, being more of an actress known for her work in the 60s and early 70s, is one of those where I, I, don't, I don't know how well-known she is in general. Um, she's incredibly important to the genre, I, I'd say. But yeah, I think just bringing her in there is a is a great move towards that uh, uh, that spreading of that 
of that world of cinema. Yeah, and also I think it's I it's good. It's a well, it's appropriate that we get to have this as the first inductee episode when I've spent a couple of the top 250 yeah. revi- revisited episodes uh, complaining about the lack of Shaw Brothers representation and then this shows that there is now we have now entered the like there is Shaw Brothers uh, awareness in a way that, it, that maybe there wasn't uh, 10 years ago 100% but it's, it is a bit of a shame because some of her none of her movies really are in all these uh, great box sets that are coming out now from like Arrow and Shout Factory, who are doing a lot of uh, box sets at the time now, at the moment, uh, and the only one of hers that really has uh, uh, gotten a proper uh, like restoration and release uh, is uh, "Come Drink with Me," which is on Blu-ray from Arrow and Eighty Eight Films. And then that's more or less her first movie. That is her big, like, at least in yeah. the genre. That yeah. was the star-making vehicle for her. Yep. Uh, and then she made she made 22 movies in eight years following uh, Come Drink With Me, which is insane. Well, they know how to pump them out over there. Yeah. Hong Kong is, is, is wild for that. So, yeah, well, the Shaw Brothers especially just realized that, okay, here we have a talent and a big hit. Let's just make uh, make sure we can churn this in as many movies as possible. So, a little bit about uh, Chang Pei Pei herself. She, I believe, was a dancer. Mm, um, yes, I believe she was a dancer who was uh, auditioned for Shaw Brothers Studios. And then she did a couple of musicals. Uh, but then, of. Yeah, she's. Basically, what the. She's in these movies. Um, you can see, you know, I, I've seen uh, Last Woman of. Shang, and she's in there. You can spot her. She's just one of the dancers in the movie. <laughs> and then uh, she just she's just kind of doing these light work before King Hu put her in Come Drink With Me. Yeah, and that was also like a, a common thing that you didn't have to have a martial arts background. Shaw Brothers just wanted people who could uh, move uh, believably on screen so like the physicality of a dancer's background was uh, something that they would just be like okay then you you you're flexible you can do moves you have physicality yeah let's do so let's make you pretend you know martial arts on screen yeah and and when you watch come drink with me i don't know if i i would even consider her a believable sword fighter in, in that one Especially, she's got a great look to her, but honestly, you know, watch how she moves and come drink with me compared to like the thundering sword. She's improved so much in a year that it's pretty crazy. Yeah, because uh, I mean, also other Shaw Brothers stars like uh, Jimmy Van Yu, he was not a martial artist, he was uh accomplished athlete in uh, like multi-athlete basically he was great he was a great tennis player i believe and a great swimmer uh and he also yeah. just like adapted his physicality into making it on screen and it's really not until uh the golden harvest era and the introduction of bruce lee that you know they actually martial artists were the ones doing martial arts on screen 
before that it was a lot of just get some really physically fit people in and have them do it so Cheng Pepe really paves the way for especially women uh, martial martial artists and stuff she's just doing uh, it's I don't know it's it's not a all right I'm back a particular um, I I don't know if it if it would be a you call it a feminist thing but she's I think that she really does pave the way um, incidentally for stars like Angela Mao and Michelle Yeoh later on to kind of come in and uh, take the reins uh, in the genre. Well, she probably proves that action movie starring women could be profitable and good. Yeah, and, and you know, just just looking at that that jump to making 20 or so movies after her big break. I mean, that proves it right there. People wanted to see it. Yeah, I mean, because there's plenty of other women in in some Shaw Brothers movies, even co-starring with Cheng uh, Pei Pei a lot of the time. But she's the one that feels like she's left as the big one. The one that, like, you have, like, Chi Su and Lily Lai and Shu uh, Pei Pei. Yep. Just many, many other names, but nobody feels like they had the same impact and career like Cheng Pei Pei. She really feels like the the main star, the one who had all the starring vehicles or like at least top build vehicles. I think we'll 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 come into it uh, naturally about, but there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of um, movies where Cheng Pei Pei is top build, but there is a male co-star who takes a lot of uh takes a, does a lot of the gets a lot of the action scenes yeah well i think a lot of that has to do with who's making the movie you know king king who is is coming from theater type stuff and he but his interests um definitely lean more actiony and so do like chang che but chang che really likes that masculine um, turn of things. He's very focused on the like the concept of the honorable sacrifice, but it's like a male sacrifice. He really likes that. He hammers it home a lot. I mean, look at the difference between Come Drink With Me and its sequel, Golden Swallow, which is called Golden Swallow, but it's really about Wang Yu's character. Yeah. And it's kind of fun because you see like... Uh... Polly Shang Kwan, who was the star of Dragon Inn, King Who's King Who's follow up to Golden No, to come drink with me. And she didn't have the same breakthrough at all. She she ended up going to Taiwan and doing like a bunch of B pictures with uh, Joseph Cao especially. That's usually how it works for a lot of these guys. Uh Shaw Brothers just I don't think they took care of their stars that well. And a lot of them went to Taiwan and got paid a little bit more for easier work, I think. Even if it's a little more ignominious, it's just not... I, I think that Shaw Brothers dropped the ball as far as that, you know, holding on to their stable stars. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, Golden Harvest was able to come in later on and just pick up, you know, pick the ball up and run. When did Golden Harvest start? Oh, early 70s. Early 70s, okay. I want to say, like, when the Bruce Lee movies, those are start 70, 71. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Chang Pei Pei did a couple of Golden Harvest movies, actually, and uh, it's like 73, 74. Her last uh, Shaw Brothers movie was like in 71, and then she did a couple of uh, Golden Harvest ones before she retired, semi-retired, or briefly retired. Well, briefly and briefly. It was uh, like a decade. But she... Went on a hiatus, moved to Los Angeles, uh, raised a family there, started a family there, and uh, then started briefly appearing sometimes in movies again, mostly cameos, all the way up until 2000. Like, that's, what's that? Like, that's 26 years after her last starring role. She... Because she had a sh- like a local TV show in Los Angeles, on tel- like local television, yeah, called uh, Pay Pay's Time. Actually, it's a she's a it's a talk show in Mandarin, on like local circuit LA, for like uh, like Asian immigrants, and uh, Ang Lee, uh, when he went to Hollywood, uh, started watching it, and I was like, oh, that's that's Chang Pei Pei from all the classic kung fu movies. And so he cast her in uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was like her her big comeback. And she won the like Hong Kong Film Awards Best Supporting Actor Award for for it, and it became like a comeback for her. Well, it's interesting to watch uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon if you've seen. Well, actually, I guess in either order, if you go back and watch uh, Chang Pei Pei's early films, and then because all the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon kind of plays a little bit like a greatest hits of uh, Chang Pei Pei's movies. They're doing all sorts of things that her movies did, but in, you know, it's almost like, a, oh, remember that? You know, the, the green sword, that's kind of like in the thundering sword. And, you know, Zhang Ji going and ordering the drink at the restaurant. I mean, this it's all just stuff right out of... Uh, the King Hu and Cheng Che movies that Cheng Pei Pei did. Yeah, so it absolutely makes sense that Ang Lee, like when he found out, oh, she's over here in LA doing this, that he just was like super excited and wanted to cast her immediately in this role. Absolutely. Yeah, because you see like her credits going up until this. She's playing, mo- she's not even playing characters with names in her last couple of movies before Crouch Tiger. It's like, Hero's mothers, Sam's mother, Brian's mother. It's just like, oh, she just plays the mother of the character in a brief, brief moment, and then she gets her comeback. Yeah, but uh, I, you know, and she's excellent in in Crouching Tiger. I, I love her in that movie. She's just really scary. <laughs> yeah, I don't know uh, if uh, how much of that if it was seen as a. Like a comeback award for comeback in the Hong Kong film industry at the time, or or what? So, uh, which, what are your films that you've seen of hers? Well, I just figured we'd we'd start chronologically and just see because you had you had seen okay. the Last Woman of Shang, and when yep. you already covered that because you can 
sort of see her. Yeah, she's just one of these girls that's you know dancing like a dervish in uh, in one in one scene. Um, she's in Lovers Rock. Yeah, and you've watched that well. one. Yep. Um, but uh, some of her, I think there's a couple of other early films that I haven't seen of hers. But it's also but more of a musical. Or? Yeah, they're 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 dramas. They're they're operas. You know. That kind of thing. It's really come drink with me. Yep. Which uses her completely differently. Well, I I was one of those people who wasn't really aware of her until we came up with the idea to do this episode. Okay. So I had only seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And in prep of this episode, I watched four of her other films. What did you watch? Um, well, chronologically, the first one is Princess Iron Fist. Okay, well then we should Hi. talk about Come Drink With Me first, I guess, a little bit more. Yeah. Which is... Okay. Which is her big breakthrough th- breakthrough film. Her, uh, like, huge box office hit. Breakthrough for her. And also breakthrough for King Who. And I, when I watched this, I watched this... Uh, I've seen this movie several times. But the first time I watched it, I, I watched it for uh, King Who. Getting, it, I was getting into King Who, because there had been a lot of great releases of his films, and I was like, I want to check this guy out. And I mean, if you haven't seen any King Who movies, get on it. He's, he's incredible. He, uh, yeah, a couple of them are Criterion releases. Right? Uh, yeah, Criterion's or Eureka over here in Europe has done a lot of them. Uh, Come drink with me, as I mentioned, eighty-eight films in Europa, uh, Arrow in the U.S. And uh, yeah, I like Touch of Sen, uh, Dragon Inn, which I mentioned, a great movie, Legend of the Mountain, uh, Raining on the Mountain, and Faith of Lee Khan at least all have Blu-ray releases from Eureka, I believe. Um, Swordsman, I think, recently had a Blu-ray release in uh, Germany, but that one is famously troubled production, which has like five credited directors, um, and it's like did. Did King Who direct it, or did King Who walk off the set after a week, and then Sue Hart came in, and uh, a bunch of other people came in, Tony Ching Si Thung, which we're gonna return to in a bit, I think, and Hui is credited. It's like a, Swordsman is a mess uh, when it comes to that, uh, and I know all the Kingsmen, I believe, have a French Blu-ray, which isn't English friendly, and the Valiant ones. Uh, I recently had a German Blu-ray, which has English subtitles, but I have not gotten around to buying it yet because I'm low-key hoping that mm, Eureka will also release it. But uh, slowly losing faith. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had seen um, Sons of the Good Earth, and I quite like that movie. That was... Yeah, I'm not. I had gotten around to that one yet. Okay, well that that's what he did right before come come drink with me, and yeah. he kind of establishes himself as, uh, I think, an action director with that one. Yeah, and well, he is. He, he's really good. Yeah, he he is great. Uh, like he especially dragging it. Like it reminds me a lot of uh, Sam Peckinpah in a bit way. Like in the way he builds tension slowly. 
uh, towards an action scene. I think, um, yeah. but yeah, he's just, he is really one of the best to ever do it, even though his career kind of really st- stops in like the 79 kind of, he, he does stuff afterwards, but there's nothing really in the 80s of he, cause he reunites with Cheng Pei Pei and all the Kingsmen. And that's basically just a, a backlot shot sort of like more almost more of a comedy there's like no action uh or there's some action but it's like it's a it's a weird one more of a farce than it's fun but it's like it's weird to see him just go from making all these action epics to sort of being like oh yeah whatever i'm done now well i think he probably burned out with legends of the mountain those movies are wild yeah, that, that, that is his most epic one. Maybe even more so than uh, Touch of Sen. It doesn't get all the credit. Well, Touch of Sen gets all the hype and credit, but Legend of Mountain, don't don't sleep on that one. It's all another great one. Yeah. Yeah. Our King Who episode is coming up. Uh, we've we've more make, made this into a King Who episode. It was a yeah. stealth, so. stealth King Who episode. But yeah, run and watch more King Who movies. He's amazing. Well, I, w- I, I am stalling a little bit because we're talking about um, Princess Iron Fan oh, next. Yeah. Which I, I'd actually brought up the Monkey Goes West movies, I think, in one of the previous episodes. Okay, but I think and I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think we've, we've done not gone over Come Drink With Me enough here. Okay. Well, yeah, because it, it's, um, well, it's her first movie, and she plays... This legendary golden swallow fighter, who mm-hmm. she's gonna save a kidnapped son. I have to say because I rewatched this one uh, the other week on my because I had it on a German DVD and no German Blu-ray uh, that I bought before um, before all the King Who stuff was getting re-released. Well, not really. Come drink with me was the last one. Like it took a really long time for it to come out from the. Boutique labels compared to his other stuff. So I had his German DVD, and I was just halfway through the movie. I just ordered the 88 Blu ray because the subtitles are so bad. The subtitle, they, they yeah. keep referring to uh, Chang Pei Pei as him in all the subtitles and stuff. And I'm like, were you blind? <laughs> well, they do that in a few of her movies, actually. They'll tuck her hair under a hat, and other. And I'm like, are they trying to tell me that? they think that's a, a boy or a, a man but yeah that's something it might be purely a subtitle issue i'm not sure yeah i don't know but the the idea one has had new subtitles and the guy dylan chung i think it is who does their subtitles most of the time i hope he did this one because he's his work is incredible that's like if if, uh, if a blu-ray says dylan chung subtitles it's it's recent enough to buy it i am suddenly kind of looking forward to discussing wing chun Oh, okay. Which is uh, all about gender confusion. Yeah, what you call it. Well, it's, it's. I mean, it, it it's kind of the basis for the forming of Wing Chun, the martial art. Well, come drink it's, with it's me. It's sort of... almost the blueprint for like wushu in general. Like it really was like this set the oh, template. Yeah. They were sort of Shabras was just kind of fucking around trying to figure out their stuff, and then King Hu came in. I was like, okay, here, here it is. Here's the blueprint. Just make this movie five hundred times, then you'll be good. Yeah, well, you 
So before that, I think the closest thing you had to the the, the concept, you know, that that whole like woman warrior thing. There, there was a film uh, I Living Pope was in called General Wamulan, mm-hmm. and you know it's the Mulan story. So you know it's kind of a classic, but that's you know the King Who took that and said let's get somebody that can move. Um, and then, and they do the, obviously the same thing there where they, oh, is this, you know, she looks like a, a man here, I guess, even though you're watching it and you're like, how would this ever work? Yeah. But then the one thing that is a bit disappointing with it is that for the second half, Cheng Pei Pei is just sidelined yeah. and it becomes like an Elliot knock film instead. It's just kind of like... Why are you why are you sidelining your star here for a different movie? Elliot Knock doing sort of like a something between Drunken Master and Simple Jack in this movie. Like he's a kung fu master, but he pretends to be like some kind of hillbilly bumpkin. I don't know, but um, there's a great climax. But the climax it was with Elliot Knock and this other well, guy, that, and it's like you know that again yeah. points out that this movie. I think the other thing that uh, that it's probably going to surprise most people with is its violence. Is that that ending is just just blood, 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 Pretty blood. Violent. It's like a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, I mean there is a great there is a great climax before before like the second climax. It's got two climaxes. There's like a a big climax and there's a hidden uh, post post climax climax. Uh, and Cheng Pei Pei gets to do a lot in the like the first climax. She does get to be do a lot of action stuff, but it's uh, whenever they go up against like Jiang uh, Chi Ching, who plays like the evil abbot, then Elliot Nock has to come in and take over because only he has kung fu powerful enough to f- defeat, uh, defend, d- defeat, to defeat this uh, as master yeah. abbot. Kung well, fu they guy. just uh, they make him basically supernaturally powered yeah and it's a bit funny because he he doesn't look badass at all he's like yeah. <laughs> 50 years old and he he looks it but you know it uh i, th- I think what they do let her do is great uh i think the sequel falls uh for the same problem where you or the movie itself just kind of goes off for, with wang Yu for a while yeah, and the sequel I feel is even more obvious, kind of like because it's like it's the sequel to "Come Drink with Me." Watch Cheng called named after Cheng Pei Pei's character. She's the titular character. Yeah, and it's like top billed actor Jimmy Wang Yu. Well, yeah, so it's gonna be the Jimmy Wang Yu yeah, show. But uh, you know, again, she what she does is is fantastic in it. Um, she's really scary. I, I love her. When she's fighting the guy all in white, and she, I mean, she's just chasing him and cutting him up. <laughs> so, just the good stuff. But yeah, I, I don't know um, if that, if if I would even like start somebody on uh, Chang Pei Pei journey. If I would even uh, start them on there, maybe I would start them with "Come Drink with Me." Because the movie, I mean, despite the fact that it's not really about her, I think that she's really good in it and she does stand out. 
but it does it is a bummer that she gets sidelined for the final battle and, and that kind of thing. No, she does get some really cool setup scenes though at the start, yes. like the part at the tavern. Yeah, that's again that's uh that's a great scene. Great introduction to yeah, and again to that's Pei, you know, they, they, Pei it's Pei. referenced quite quite a bit in Crouching Tiger, that whole scene. Yeah. But uh yeah. Uh, Conjuring with me is good. Uh, it does sideline our heroine, which is an unfortunate thing in Hong Kong films for women a lot. But uh, she does get quite a bit to do, so it's still pretty good. Yeah, and then next up was Princess Iron uh, Fat. Yeah, and this is the sequel to Monkey Goes West. This is the second okay, of three films the in that series. Yep. Out. Is it? Is there a fourth? It's four parts, right? I thought it was just three. I think I've read it, so, yeah. Oh, Letterboxd lists there are five. Okay, but this remains part two, at least. Yeah. But I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And I was unaware of it yeah. being a sequel when I watched it. Oh, you're probably just like, well, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the main issue I had with it is that it sort of has an overarching plot and not a lot of plots for this movie. Well, the, yeah, there's a... Uh, so the whole thing is, I guess the only thing you could really compare it to is the Odyssey. And I was thinking of that one, yeah. Yeah, so they're just constantly... I think they're, they're going to India and they're just constantly encountering all these people who are these creatures and people that end up being their foes or friends some that's every interaction is is this group gonna be an obstacle or are they gonna help them along that and that's kind of the entire story yeah and, and this film really felt like two episodes or three i mean there's just constant um interruptions uh, to the to the main journey but i guess that's the point yeah, because this one starts out, uh, they have to cross a, uh, a stretch of land, really, that has burned down because of a volcano. And they just have to get a magic fan. But then they get it like 45 minutes in, it's all solved. <laughs> and then they run into Chang Pai Pai. A really weird structure. Well, it's based on a like really classic Southeast Asian fairy tale. Yeah, about like the monkey king and uh, there's like a pig guy and some stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah. My wife talks about this. Uh, she knows it. Like they're, they're adapted for television like a hundred uh, times across all the different countries. Mm. So she has her her favorite version is like a telenovela version from uh, the 80s or 90s. And I know uh, Donnie Yen actually did one version of this back in 2014 that ended up as a trilogy where they, but they ended up replacing him with uh, Aaron Kwok for all the sequels. But supposedly not very good. Where Donnie Yen plays the Monkey King in full monkey makeup. Lovely. Yeah, but I think it's funny that you mentioned the Odyssey because I, I saw a lot of uh, parallels to that one in the sense that a lot of the what could be conflicts are just solved with magic. Yeah. But, because uh, at one point, the monkey king or monkey monk, whatever he is in this one, is uh, looking for the fan in a treasure room. 
and then uh, the princess and the prince, I guess, are coming into the room. So you think, oh shit, he has to hide. But no, he just turned invisible. Problem solved. <laughs> there goes your dramatic tension. Well, you know, these are weird kind of movies um, for for Westerners, I think, to watch because you don't have the cultural context. It'd be like somebody watching a movie about Paul Bunyan or something for, you know, I would, I would know what that is, but somebody in Hong Kong would just be like, what is going on? Why is there a giant lumberjack man? You know? Yeah. Yeah, this movie didn't did not sell me on Shaw Brothers movies. <laughs> well, yeah, again, it's there, there's too much cultural context needed, I think. And if you just pop in, this is the second of you say five films. I thought it was three, but yeah, there's movie gets wild, I guess. Well, all all good trilogies come in five parts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but Cheng Pei is really good in this one. She's only in the second half, uh, but yeah, she is a very charismatic. Yeah, she she has a certain uh, she, mischievousness, yeah, and glee about her. Yeah, she's really fun to watch. When she's not like I, I actually find her golden swallow character, even though that's like her signature role. I don't especially care for it. I like uh, watching her. She's got a great look, but you pretty much watch anything else she's in and she's really good. She's, she glows on screen and I yeah. think those movies kind of hamper her style a little bit. Did, did yeah. we mention her birth date yet? No. Yeah. Was it anything special about it? Well, she was born in 1946. She was yeah. probably 18 or something when they filmed come drink with me. Which is just really young. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was, she was. I don't know how quickly they turned us around, but she was, like, she was twenty. She was only twenty years old when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not so, even. It's it's not odd for them. It, it, so often, in these movie in the Hong Kong films, the love interests um, are very very young. Um, so it was probably nothing to just continue that with casting your lead in your action film. Get a young girl. <laughs> Yes, she actually she retired at 28. That's when she left the industry for a couple of years. By that point, she'd done 30 movies. Oh yeah, but, oh, yeah. Just uh, in Princess Iron Fan, also the Monkey King is played by Elliot Nuck. Oh yeah, we just also talked played, about played uh, the Drunken Bumpkin in Come Drink with Me, well slash Kung Fu Master. Was he also a monkey in that one? Uh, no, he's called like Drunken Cat actually. So in more of a cat? Yeah, he has a specialty. <laughs> it's the animal movements. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would. The, what's the next one you watched? The next one for me is uh, Wing Chun. Oh, okay. So you went way up to the 90s. So I'd seen Thundering Sword, um, which, I, again, I, I brought up earlier, but she is, she, she's just improved so much. Not physically, she has great movements in it. Uh, it's not a super action-heavy one, but there's just a one scene in particular where she just wrecks people, and she's uh, she's really good at it. But she spends a lot of time 
just kind of crying and and being a mess up. So it, eh, it's hard to recommend the movie as a whole, but she has a great fight scene in it that I she just massacres I think thirty people. It's great. Uh, oh, it has some great cast in that one too. It's also got Lo Lei and Chang Yi in that cast, which also are some some great great action stars there, and also the one where we, she co-stars with Shu Pei Pei, which is funny because it won't confuse them. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, uh, I confused them while I was watching the movie, but yeah, uh, it's 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 all right. Oh, I also watched uh, Blue Skies from nineteen seventy six, which was a musical, and I think this one would serve as a great introduction point to Chang Pei Pei. Uh, although it doesn't have any action, it really showcases her dancing background, and she gets a lot of great dance uh, sequences in it. It's a bit of a like rise to stardom and fall and comeback movie story. She plays a young aspiring dancer who like watches the opera performances and wishes to join them, and then she gets romantically involved with a composer. And then she gets her big breakthrough, and then he kind of doesn't, and their romance ends. And then she becomes a bit of a vain starlet, and she refuses the advances of a studio head, and it ends in a car crash, where she gets, like, horribly disfigured in the car crash, like real Phantom of the Opera stuff. Uh, But then the composer guy gets his big breakthrough, and... uh, He's like, oh, I'm looking for this uh, dancer that inspired me to write all these great songs, but I can't find her anymore. Can anyone help me? Uh, because Chang Pei Pei has like gone away to live in exile on uh, where on the island that she grew up on. And then, of course, they meet each other again, and they realize they're still in love, and he gets her plastic surgery, which just magically fixes her whole face. She just looks like Chang Pei Pei again. So that part's a bit of a bit of a bummer. Uh, they just it's such a super easy fix. Then he writes a musical for them to both star in. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Really great uh, musical sequences. Really well directed. Really stylish looking. Reminded me a bit of uh, an American in Paris actually with his visuals. But that might just be me showing off how few musicals I've seen that it's like, oh, that's my reference point, but that's my reference point for every musical. But it is one I would highly recommend as a starting point with uh, Chang Pei Pei, actually, because it shows off her acting and she and her, her dancing skills, which is her background. And uh, she really does play the lead in this one. So yeah, check out Blue Skies if you are willing to give musicals a chance. No action, just dancing. Um, but yeah, it moved to Operation Lipstick because I think it's the movie with the best introduction to a character, uh, and, and, and her character in particular, that she ever did. I think it's fantastic. She basically comes out of a cake and starts singing. It's yeah, a, it's the, the Under Siege <laughs> introduction. Yeah. Well, except she's awake. And wearing clothes. (laughs) Very much wearing clothes, yeah. But they blast the cake open with a cannon, and she comes out and sings a song about how great of a thief she is. 
Yeah, it's a great musical number. There's several great musical numbers in this one. It's a really fun one uh, towards the end where the trio of assassins dress up as a banjo group and do a musical number about how they're so great at killing people. Yep. But it's kind of the... It, it, I usually don't like Hong Kong comedy, but I actually found that really funny, that whole scene where the guys have the... They're, they're singing bang, 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 and, they, and everyone's, you know, wincing because they keep expecting to get shot. Yeah, because <laughs> then the guy keeps playing the drums faster and faster, and they think yeah. it's to cover up machine guns. <laughs> and I think this one has just a really... The whole opening of this one is really great. It has like a really cool opening montage sort of of uh, where all the spy stuff goes wrong and there's this guy with a hook for a hand and they light a car on fire, push it down a cliff, steal some microfilms. It's a really fun opening. Yep. And it kind of set my expectations for a movie that the rest of it just wasn't. Yeah. Well, it's not as charming as it thinks it is, but... It does have several really good scenes, so it's, it's... It has a lot of cool scenes, and uh, it's directed by Umetsugu Inoue, who's a, a Japanese director who did a, a bunch of films for the Shaw Brothers. He also did one called uh, The Brain Stealers, which is on my watch list. Which is, uh, so he did, like, two sort of, like, Shaw Brothers James Bond riffs. Uh, and uh, this was the... I think this was the second one. I could be wrong. Not that it matters. Yeah, fair enough. But it's funny that you brought up uh, that he's a Japanese director because I was thinking that while I was watching it because it almost reminded me of like a Saijin Suzuki film. Yeah, it's a lot of um, a lot of Dutch angles, a lot of really cool visuals. In this one, he really makes uh, it makes it stand out like he. You notice this. Uh, he he's got a lot of style. You know you, so he's uh, he really puts like his stamp on this one. But yeah, like I was hoping for a bit more uh, Bondian action, and a lot of the action is just really very slapsticky. Going. From well, all. they want to have more of a fun time. Yeah, definitely. Like it definitely goes more for the, um. Because it's the it's a romp, yeah. But it's like the the tri- the genres are listed as action thriller, and I was like, oh great, it's gonna be like a real Bond movie with Cheng Pei Pei. And I don't know where the action and thrills were. It should be called comedy musical action, maybe. Like someone update those genres. Well, it's 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 very sixties. You know, you can watch a lot of 60s action movies that came out in America, and they're kind of similar in feel. Um, uh, like The Wrecking Crew and, you know, those movies, you know, the Dean Martin films. They're, they have a, a feel to them. It's it's almost like a parody of Bond. And this this is like that. It, it's an yeah. espionage thriller, but it, in a way... But it's like that's like an excuse for hijinks. It's funny. I'm looking at uh, the. I looked through to see if there was anything else I'd seen from the director, and he made a movie called The Third Shadow Warrior. That is just a a real violent. Um, good time actually, uh, the Rise of Ishikawa film. So I actually was aware of this guy and. 
Yeah, that's kind of nice. He actually makes good stuff. Uh, I don't know if I would say this is uh, among his greatest films or anything. Uh, I haven't seen that many of his movies, but it's it's better than uh, than it probably has any right to be. Honestly, it could have easily just been terrible. Yeah, like it has. Um, there's a lot of style, which really saves it, and uh, sort of like when things are too silly. But it like it's really well directed. Yeah. I guess next up is Golden Swallow, which we kind of already covered during Come Drink With Me. Because it's yeah. the sequel to Come Drink With Me that has the same problem as Come Drink With Me. In that it's it's good, it's really cool, but then it sidelines Cheng Pei Pei too much for her male con- co-star. Uh, this one's directed by Cheng Che, who's... Uh, I mean, he's the he's the he's the top dog at that Shaw Brothers. Really, directed like almost a hundred movies for the Shaw Brothers. Uh, he is really... the reason that the movies became action movies. Because they were making these historical epics and costume dramas, um, basic straight adaptations of uh, ch- classic Chinese opera. Um, and then Shang Chi comes along, and he is a sort of a pre. John Woo, who just makes these fantastic action movies, really violent, uh, usually about things that John Woo would kind of take and run with as well. They're just, you know, they're about honor and friendship and and whatnot. But generally, he really likes that masculine, self-sacrificial character. And so even though this movie's called The Golden Swallow... Uh, it like we said, it it really becomes about uh, Wang Yu's Silver Rock character. Yeah, and also Chang Che and uh, Jimmy Wang Yu sort of started out. This was their like fourth or fifth movie together in a row. Yeah, I believe. Well, they had done six. This was their sixth film in a row together, and so he really was the guy. He really was. He was Wang Yu's guy. They came up together, and I think sort of like after this one, Jimmy Wang Yu went off. On his own, to sort of wanted to direct his own movies and stuff. Uh, more or less. But yeah, this was he was really Jimmy Wang Yu's guy, and so shock, shock, shocking below, behold, below. Which what, what's the phrase? Who cares? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it became the Jimmy Wang Yu show because was directed by Jimmy Wang Yu's guy. Yep. Uh, they had made this film together. It's a considered loss now, called Tiger Boy, and it's sort of the the beginning of make you know these like hand to hand and martial arts films in general. It's very influential, and it's uh, a movie that's just lost the time now. Nobody knows where it is, but that's really what started it. It was sort of a proof of concept for Shaw. Because, you know, before that he'd done, like, the Butterfly Chalice and stuff. But after that it became all action. And Shaw Brothers loved it. Uh, audiences loved it. And he he kind of built up to this, you know, Golden Swall. At this point they'd already done the first one-armed swordsman movie and Trail of the Broken Blade and all that. But this was just, oh, take a pre-existing property and 
turn it into another Wang Yu Chang Che flick, and to its detriment, I think, even though uh, I actually like the movie, but if you want to look at it as a sequel, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, and this was also kind of like the first, uh, well, not this, but the assassin, and then this going. I was like the first run of like where the Jimmy Wang Yu like invisible, su- invincible super killer movies where he just kills like in the hundreds in every movie, just slaughters people. Absolutely yeah. crazy numbers. Like Jimmy Wang Yu kills almost two hundred people in the Golden Swallow. And that's going from one armed, one armed, first one armed swordsman. He kills like eight people, and then in Golden Swallow, it's like two hundred. Yeah, and that just, becomes like a trademark for Jimmy Wang Yu to just have these insane numbers. And I think that's, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I think he's the the deadliest actor. Speaking he of kill count pages, is not. The number okay. one spot is held by our Turkish best friend, Kanyet oh. Arkin. Chunyet. Chunyet Arkin. I think he, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Jimmy Wang Yu still holds the title. Of the, at least of the people of the end. Oh no, sorry, I'm wrong. Jimmy Wang Yu has almost 2,500 on-screen kills, which is easily the most of any in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Kunyet Arkin has over 2,000 but it's not closing nearly in on the Jimmy Wang Yu numbers of course this is only for people who have been inducted yeah there are some cases and of course of like freaks <clears throat> out there who like have like a hundred like a hundred thousand kills in one movie or something yeah well, like this, whoever it was that blew up Alderaan in Star Wars an unknown actor pulls the switch and they kill millions of people although you know that's all they say you know we don't really know how many well i think the other one is uh what's the jack ryan one with ben affleck called where they blow up the super bowl some of all fears some of all fears yeah there's like one guy who blows up the super bowl there who's like a a character actor that nobody knows or nobody cares about oh his name is like joel bissonnet or something and he's got like a Hundred thousand on screen kills, but nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah, but imagine if we had access to all of Kunet Arkin's movies. Well, yeah, there are he might like be up there. There well, there's like three hundred uncounted Kunet Arkin films, so Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. A lot of them are on YouTube. Go watch them. No thank you. <laughs> We're going to do the Kanye Arkin lightning round soon, and I want everyone to have seen at least 50 films. <laughs> I'm going to be sick that day. Sorry, mm-hmm. can't make it. So. All right. Well, the next one's up. We have Fiery Girl, Jade Raksha, and Dragon Swamp. I will say that the Fiery Girl is probably the best example of her uh, acumen as a sword fighter. She's very good at it. Uh, I have not seen uh, either Jade Rockshaw or Dragon Swamp, so I couldn't. I can't vouch for that. No. Well, I'm gonna try to watch all of them. I'm, I'm gonna push Fiery Girl to my top of my list. That was one I wasn't able to get to. But uh, next one up is Fly the Flying Dagger, which I did watch. I don't know if you've seen it. Also, uh, I've seen parts of it. Yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. Well, 
we're going to come back to a recurring problem in Cheng Pei Pei movies is that Cheng Pei Pei is top billed in this movie and of course the star is second bill actor Lo Lei. He become it becomes the Lo Lei show. He really does more of the action. He's the one who has the arc. But it's an interesting movie. Like it starts with this uh black and white uh opening with like a rape revenge, a rape and a revenge. It's like you can't call it a flashback because it's the first thing that happens, but it's sort of like the the setup for the movie, and then yeah, it's like Cheng Pei Pei uh, kills the rapist and he's the son of some guy in a clan, and then that the clan kills um, Cheng Pei Pei's father and targets the whole family, and it's like a weird moment. It has like the Kioma soundtrack where um, Cheng Pei Pei's father gets uh, killed with a flying dagger. The titular flying dagger, and um, it turns into soundtrack is like Kioma, where that the scene where they're gonna kill um, Kioma's father in Kioma, and the soundtrack is like, oh, your father's been murdered with a knife. How sad to see your father die. And <laughs> that's the Greek chorus thing going on. Yeah, the whole the the soundtrack, all this Chinese opera style, but it it is the song is is about oh your father is dying as. You see him dying. It's just, it literally. It's like watching uh, like watching Total Recall with the Arnold commentary track. It just tells you what's happening on screen in front of you already. I'm running in this scene. It's so great. <laughs> oh god, I love that commentary yeah, but, track. Yeah, but then it does a great transition to color, where there's like someone gets cut with a sword and just blood sprats over the screen, and it's the blood is red, and then it just stays in color from there on. Um, yeah. So yep. the only I only seen the beginning of the movie and you know definite shades of uh, Lady Snowblood kind of going on in there. Yeah, it was a great opening. Uh, but then yeah, Lole comes in as like a wandering swordsman and he offers to protect the family from this clan if Cheng Peng Pei will have sex with him after he's defeated the clan. That's really that's the that's the movie. And uh, so, but then of course, Cheng Pei Pei falls in love with Lo Lei during the movie, and then at the end, when he's finally defeated the clan, he refuses to sleep with her. So it's uh, it's a bit of a weird one. It's a bit of a dangerous liaisons in that, I guess, where that okay. uh, the price is to sleep with someone. But then of course, Lo Lei is too honorable to do that, even though Cheng Pei Pei now loves him. Yeah, and then it does a bit of um. Like the fistful of dollars, uh, Joe Jimbo thing, where uh, uh, Lole gets his like his hands and feet are all injured, and he has to go into hiding to heal. And then it's um, it's this uh, spaghetti western with Juliana Gemma called Arizona Cult, which does the the, the same thing where he, his hands are injured, but then he shows up to the final duel with like both his arms in uh, casts. And then he just throws off his jacket, and it turns out now he's just wearing fake arms, and he's, he's, both his arms work. And Lole does the same thing in this one. He shows up to the climax with like both his arms in bandages, and it's like, oh no, I can't fight. Please put your weapons down. And then they attack him, and it's like, ah ha ha, I had arms all along. These were just fake. Yeah. And then it turns out the villain... It's kind of cool, because it's, it's like a bit of like a Western, because... Both the villain and uh, Lole use uh, flying daggers, which is they can run out of flying daggers the same way you can run out of bullets, but you can't run out of sword in yeah. a way. So it becomes a bit westerny with that part. 
But yeah, then it turns out that uh, because Lole uses his fake arms to trick the villain into throwing all his four knives, and so then he can just defeat him. And that's the villain's only weakness, is that he only carries four knives. So if he's thrown four daggers, he's out of daggers and he can't do anything. <laughs> he's useless. It's like, okay, well then I think you should have been able to defeat this guy earlier because making him throw four daggers can't be that hard. But yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. It, it, um, the fights are good. And Low Lei is, is cool, but Cheng Pei Pei only really gets one action scene, sort of like, well, she gets two, one at the end of flashback at the start, and then one a bit later in the movie, and then Low Lei comes and saves her in that one, and it it really just becomes the Low Lai show, like he should have been top build in this one. It's a bit of a bit of a misdirect, really, to to make her the top build actress, because. She, Yep, she gets sidelined again. And this is another Chang Che film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that sounds about right. Yeah, speaking of Chang Che films, there's four Monkey Goes West films, and the fifth okay. one listed on Letterboxd as being related is the Chang Che film The Fantastic Magic Baby, which is more of a spin-off, <laughs> I guess. It's more of a... John Voight direct-to-video movie? It's based on selected chapters of the novel Journey to the West. No relation to Baby Geniuses. Mm, nope. Super Babies. Super Babies, Baby Geniuses too. None that I can find, no. Well, there goes the John Voight connection. Oh, well. All right, then Raw Courage. No, I've you... seen... You know, I was actually watching Raw Courage this morning, and I didn't finish it. But it's, uh, for a low-wave film, I, I was expecting so much less. Um, it's really good. <laughs> it's uh, it's just full of action. There's tons of great visuals. Uh, the costumes are fantastic. Um, but the choreography is just is wonderful. Um, it is surprisingly good. Um, it makes me think that Lo Wei was probably a really good Shaw Brothers director. It's just everything after that, uh, not so much. All right. Well, I haven't seen this one, so. Oh well, uh, I definitely recommend checking it out then. Yeah. Well, it's on the list with uh, all the other Chang Pei, mo Pei movies that I tried to get to but couldn't. Okay. Well, Golden Sword, Lady of Steel. Any any takers? Uh, I've seen Lady of Steel. Um, that's another one. Uh, the Elliot Knock in there. Um, but uh, yeah, this uh, Ho Ming Wah movie. Um, I I again, fantastic movie. This is. Uh, I don't I don't know much about this Ho Ming Wah guy, but the director. But his movies are great. Like he, he, the guy the guy can direct action. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I know some people probably don't like that it's not as uh, obviously, uh, like, fantastical as, it, like, like, the Golden Swallow movies. But 
I don't know. I think it, it lean, the more realistic you make the fighting, the better I like it. So, and this one is one of those. All right, right on. That's another one on the list. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that you'll, you're, we're probably going to find that most of her, her stuff in that era is is pretty good. As long as they let her be the star of her own movies. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen all of her stuff, so I couldn't tell you uh, right out the gate which ones those are. Yeah. we did. I can say that we did try to get uh, a guest on this episode, and we, we sourced guests based on people we knew who had logged a lot of Chang Pei Pei movies, but we nobody was available on uh, short notice. Just too bad. Uh, the, the next one that I've seen of, of hers is Number the Brave, which is another low way one. Uh, well, then I have seen The Shadow Whip. Okay, I've not seen that. It. That's uh, yeah, it's another low way one, really short. Um, and this one, I feel low way is kind of uh, on the back burner, a bit bored. It's another Chang Pei Elliott uh, knock film. Uh, it's uh, set in the snow. Just kind of cool. Um, and um, as the title suggests, Cheng Pei Pei uses a whip. And uh, yeah, what do I remember about this? I think mostly I saw it very close to. It's another show brothers called The Black Tavern, which is another one uh, set in the snow with a bunch of whips. And it's definitely the better film. So uh, check out The Black Tavern, I guess. Uh, that was a fun one, and the villain in that one looks like Santa Claus, so that's fun. Um, but yeah, Shadow Whip, uh, short, it's fun, it's um, it's okay. Um, there's uh, the, the whip is sort of like, it's very limited, I feel, as a weapon. They don't, she doesn't get to do as much with it as she does with uh, her swords. Um, yeah, there's a cool part where she and her uncle... They both use whips, and they whip one. Both of the, they whip one of uh, a guy. They take and whip his legs, one one leg each, and then they just pull him in separate directions, and they just pull his legs off. Oh my god! <laughs> so uh, that's a great. That, that's the part where I was like, "Oh, holy shit! This movie is uh, shit's happening." But yeah, another low way movie, and this is definitely in the lower. <laughs> Get it? Um, like a part of uh, his uh, output, but always fun to see a kung fu movie set in the snow, I guess. And also, it recreates the um, the meme, the one from um, Tangled, where the guy has all the swords at him, and that actually happens in this movie, where it's uh, Chang Peng Pei has a bunch of um, spears pointed at her throat. It recreates that image. It's kind of funny. I like it. Yeah. Then you can go on to Non But the Brave. Yeah, so this is a featuring baby Jackie Chan. Yeah, he's he's in it. Uh, very young Jackie Chan. Um, well, he's not that young. Oh. I mean, he's young enough. Oh well, that you can recognize. Yeah, because there's actually, because uh, there's a fake rumor that Jackie Chan is in Come Drink with Me, which yeah. is not true. You can find it. I think Come Drink with Me is on Jackie Chan's IMDb page. Even he's credited as kid, but it's been. Tr- Thoroughly debunked. Like Denzel Washington in Death Wish. It is not true. Unfortunately. But he is in None But the Brave. Yeah. Um, it's, it's obviously him. 
you know, not like, like you can watch some of the other movies that he's in when he's younger and you're like, okay, that's him. You, you can spot him and you see that he's, you know, he's young, but you're like, that's him. Um, this one is, is like, oh, he's right there. That's his face on the screen. <laughs> so, which is nice. You notice him. Yep. If you have uh, have one of those once upon a time in Hollywood moments, like, like point to the screen, that's Jackie Chan. Yep. Uh, easy to All see. All right. Oh, easy to see. Good. Uh, well, I haven't really tried that much with, because the one I tried to spot him in was Come Drink With Me, which was, of course, very hard to spot because he is not in the <laughs> film. I'm trying to remember... Um, what what the role was that people are saying in Come Drink With Me. I think that they're I saying wanna, that at the, the very children. end of the movie that you're, you're supposed to be able to see him, but I I have watched the, the movie several times, and I it, there's a lot of kids in there, but none of them look like Jackie and me. And I've seen... Yeah, there's... I can... It's at the end of the... At the very end of the movie, and there's one scene earlier before... She goes away. That where uh, Chang Pei Pei meets all the children, and that's the, that's where, where all all the children sit around Chang Pei Pei, and that's when he's supposed to be like in the bottom left corner or something. And it's, it, he isn't, because he's not in the movie. I have a lot of footage of young Jackie Chan. You know when he was when he was being loaned out to these productions, and I. And I'm generally able to spawn him and stuff, and I definitely can't in that. So I agree. He's probably yeah, he's that. well. He he um because uh, I brought it up. He's also supposed to be in Black Tavern, which that one can be true. I just I didn't spot him when I watched it, but it seems to be oh that seems to be actually really uh real. I just found a image of him just being murdered in it. So he's definitely in the Black Devil. Oh. <laughs> what an error. Well, and then up is Whiplash. Yeah, or which... I know it is Tiger Braids. but Tiger Braids. Okay, it's uh, several titles. Well, I watched this one uh, yesterday, actually. I could only source it from uh, like a Hong Kong VHS rip. Okay. I don't think it's... Uh, been restored beyond that maybe uh, th- and this is yeah none of none but the brave and whiplash is um, those are Cheng Pei Pei's she goes into those are golden harvest films I believe like so she's left uh, Shadow Whip I think is her final starring role for um, uh, Shaw Brothers and uh, the the um yeah, None But the Brave and Whiplash are both pronounced by done by Raymond Chow and uh and the Golden Harvest. And Whiplash was one that I did not enjoy. I think of all the ones I've seen uh we talked about so far at least, this is easily my least favorite. Uh Cheng Pei Pei plays like um her well, Cheng Pei Pei's father discovers a lost treasure in uh, the mountains and then a bunch of uh, bandits come and they try to threaten her dad to tell them where the treasure is and they kidnap her and they take her to a cave to try to make her find uh, 
uh, treasure and most of it's just set inside the cave all the time and just because of the poor quality of the rip and the fact that it's very dimly lit in all the caves and all that I just couldn't couldn't really follow it yeah, so very that's too bad especially since and, uh, it's her last yeah. film for years yeah and also just the translation and the subtitles maybe not tip top but uh, I had hopes because there's a there's a great action scene at the beginning in like a, a, when they come to the tavern and she's using her whip and she kicks ass and there's a lot of comedy too and it's that's a really great scene uh, and then there's a musical number and then they just sort of stay in the cave and it's just uh, yeah not really anything kind of uh Kind of like a nothing movie. Just didn't really do it for me. Well, it's a bummer. Have either of you seen The Lunatic Frog Women? Also known as Virgin Commandos and Lady Piranha. Yeah. Nope. Many, many names. Nope. It's one. I have it open in a tab on YouTube to watch it, but again, I ran out of time. Well, let me ask you something. When... Have, do you guys like uh, the you like Filipino action movies? Sometimes Ooh. I mean, they're, they're, that's a mixed bag. Because that is what this movie's like. Still, it's like a Corman picture. Out. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. I am intrigued. Yeah. It's very much like you know you'd think that Sergio Santiago directed it. It's just it's very much like that. It's the flavor. Oh, okay, well, because I am very interested because it is in fact directed by Lee So Nam, who did. A lot of Bruce exploitation movies, like he did Exit the Dragon, Enter the Tiger, Fist of Fury Part Two, but he also did like Lady Hunter, which is the Hong Kong movie that's I think entirely shot in Canada, Kung Fu Wonder Child, Leg Fighters, uh, Phantom Kung Fu. There's so many great titles, and like he's a he's a really underrated uh, director. His uh, a lot of his stuff is just wild and crazy. Yeah, I the only thing I was aware of his was he did. Uh, Beauty Investigator, and I think that's the only other thing I've seen of his. But that's also awesome. So, <laughs> so this is definitely my style of movie. It's uh, it's kind of um, I don't know what you call it. Like, you know those women in prison type movies that Corman made in the seventies. It's what it kind of reminds me of, but. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, Beauty Investigator is. No, no, I call this. it Lady Hunter. I was confusing it with uh, Black Cat. Of course, oh. you are correct. It is. Uh, it is. Uh, it is Beauty Investigator, which is not the one shot in Canada at all. Okay. That's. I'm talking about Black Cat. Okay. I confused because uh, the covers look really similar, and I was like, okay, Lady Hunter. It uh, looks like Black Cat. Probably the same film, but no. It's yeah. It's Beauty Investigator. But uh, this film, it's just these girls become. Um, badass um, Navy SEAL types, basically, and go on a mission and uh, get to shoot guns and, you know, it's it's everything you didn't think you'd see Chang Pei Pei do, <laughs> and it's great. All right, yeah, it's another one though that sadly only exists in a low rent VHS ripoff rip, yeah, not ripoff a low rent VHS copy. It's uh, yeah needs to be more should be in a better condition yeah but uh i have a decent copy i could probably share with you 
Uh, it's worth okay. it's if worth it's better than the one on YouTube. Oh, I didn't know there was one on YouTube. I'll have to look at it. Yeah, the one on YouTube has like burnt in. I think it's Greek subtitles. I'm not too. I'm not too good on oh. recognizing all the alphabets. Okay, so mine doesn't have this any yours subtitles. Has. So, wait. is it dubbed? No. Then? Okay, it's just not. You just have to guess what they're saying. Yeah, pretty saying. much. <laughs> okay. Well, I actually haven't checked. Maybe if, if the one on well, maybe I'll make YouTube is I'll make dubbed, some subtitles. Maybe you can make some dub titles for it, and then uh, I'll share it. Well, if the one on YouTube is dubbed, then we, maybe it's possible to yeah, so I'm saying. sync them up. But uh, I do recommend it. It's fun. Uh, let's move up to. Uh, what is the next one that anybody's seen? Probably Wing Chun. Yeah, for me it is. Yeah. Yeah, we could just go through all the King's Men, which was her comeback with uh, King Hu in a smaller part. Mentioned it briefly earlier. Painted Faces is a Sammo Hung movie. Well, it's not. A, it's a star Sammo Hung. It's not directed by Sammo Hung, but it's basically uh, Sammo Hung, uh, like a biopic of Sammo Hung in a way. Yeah. It's about all the. About the Peking Opera School, where like Sammo Hung and Jackie Chan and uh, Yoon Byu and all those guys went to study, yep. uh, but now like Sammo Hung is plays the the teacher, so it's basically Ch- him playing, doing a yeah, it's a bi- Sammo Hung in a playing his own teacher in like a sort of like a bit of a Sammo Hung biopic, but not really. And then there's a Flirting School, Stephen Chow comedy. And some other kidnap of Wong Chak Fai, Kung Fu Mistress. I don't know these movies. But yeah, yeah Wing Chun. Uh, Wing Chun is probably the first yeah. Michelle Yeoh movie I'd ever seen. Hmm. And she's credited as Michelle <laughs> Yao. And I'm, I remember you did a video on, was it the video for Yes, Madam, where you talked about yeah. well, she went by her Michelle name Kong and how she was first. credited? So you watched this before Police Story yeah. 3? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I never saw this one. I have. I've had the DVD for years, but... I don't recommend it. I think it's already. Um, you you want to see some decent little uh, Yun Wu-Ping kind of movie. Got some decent action in it. And, you know, it's got Johnny Yen. It's hard to go totally wrong. I mean, you might expect more based on the pedigree, but yeah, I think it's still, I think it's good. I think it's charming. Plot though is ridiculous. Yeah, a little bit, but it's trying to. Donnie Yen spends most of the movie thinking that Michelle Yeoh is a man. Yeah, it's a it's another one of those. Yeah, because she has muscles. Yeah, from doing the kung fu. Yeah, and Chang Pepe shows up towards the end as Michelle Yeoh's uh, kung fu teacher. Yeah, I th- like. I think of it cameo. as a kind of a passing of the torch type thing. Yeah, it could be. It's a romantic yeah. thought. Yeah. Uh, which I guess brings us to Crouching Tiger. No. Um. I watch the gods must be funny in china this morning oh i've never seen that. oh that is the final i think movie of the the hong kong gods must be funny trilogy where they brought the the guy 
from the original. Yeah, from the Gods Must Be Crazy. They just brought him to Hong Kong and made three. Like, already, there's. I mean, the Gods Must Be Crazy already has a long gap sequel, and I guess the sequel was a big hit in Hong Kong because they brought him over to Hong Kong to do three more movies, and they're like wildly different. There's uh, one called Crazy Safari, which is a hopping vampire movie starring the guy from Grace Gods Must Be Crazy. And then I think this... But that one takes place in Africa still, right? Uh, very possible. And I think the other one is a bit of a spy thriller in a bit. And then this is the one that you watched, which I guess you can yeah. tell us about instead. Well, it's a full-on comedy, which is nice. Because I'm usually not that big of a fan of the Hong Kong mix of crazy ass-kicking martial arts and then really weird comedy. Yeah, this is a weird, weird movie. There's a, a talking monkey that does kung fu. <laughs> uh, there's a kung fu dogs. Um, what it's about? It, it's about uh, Cheng Pei Pei is a cop, I think, and she and her colleagues want to enter a marathon she gets injured so they need a fourth man for their team they find the uh, bushman he joins their team but there's also like poachers who want to catch a panda and then they get mixed up because they get lost during the marathon so then they end up fighting the, the poachers with the help of the talking monkey and there's a talking turtle who wants to be used as a weapon. It's like this movie's crazy. But these are this, this well, especially talking monkey. Is it just a monkey, but that's dubbed over, or is it a guy in a monkey costume? Oh no, it's dubbed over. Oh. And then when he does kung fu, I think they just had a fake monkey arm. So you just see a guy who gets punched with a a monkey arm coming from off screen. Oh, oh that's disappointing. I wanted a guy in a monkey suit doing yeah. kung fu. Yeah. <laughs> with that scene though where all the uh, the animals come help them out it's, it's fucking amazing if I'm being honest like Pomeranians doing Kung Fu that's fantastic <laughs> unfortunately the, the movie still goes on for another half hour after this oh well yeah. and Cynthia Khan is in it by the way oh. it's, a, it's a really really odd movie but surprisingly I liked it just because of how crazy it is Oh, right on. All right. Uh, you know what? I might check those out. What is, you know, I've only seen the f- the first of those. Yeah, I've seen it. Too. We 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 watched it in school. Actually, it was like, oh, here's the. Uh, yeah. We're doing today. Same. That's how I saw it too. I saw yeah, it. At home I don't know. Loads of times. Well, um, is, has anybody seen these other ones in between? Uh, Crouching Tiger. Uh, no, no, I have not. I've only seen. I've I've heard about a man called Hero, uh, which is one of those where he just plays someone's mom because where her sheep just plays someone's mom because it's based on the same story I think as a hero with Yoon Bu, but it's just it's legendary for having this incredibly bad CGI climax, which I would oh. encourage you to look up. <laughs> okay, well, um, so I guess. Her big return then in Crouching Tiger and Dragon. Award winning performance as Jade Fox. And which uh, make, when I say uh, it, it makes it sound like her last name is Fox, but obviously that's not the case. Yeah. 
but uh, it's great. Uh, I, I, I love that movie. Um, I know that it's not for everyone. I know some people don't like all the floaty wire poo stuff, but uh, I think uh, it's beautiful. Um, I think Ang Lee deserves all the credit. Yeah, it was a huge crossover hit. Like, um... It was the highest uh, grossing foreign film in America ever until Parasite. Really? Parasite made more money? I think. I'm not 100% sure. Well, yeah, it was a huge crossover hit. And I guess... I guess, was it Harvey Weinstein that sort of bought it the attention? Yeah. Wouldn't want to give him too much credit, but... But yeah, I mean, it scored Ang Lee. scored a lot of Oscar nominations. Um, one for Best Cinematography, Foreign Pictures, at least. Uh, but then, of course, the thing that's always is no acting nominations for Asian actors, especially if you're speaking in their native language. Just, uh, same same complaint with um, Parasite too. Is it their native it's... language though? Because I. Well, I remember reading that uh, they were Cantonese actors who were forced to speak Mandarin for the film, or something like that. That I don't know anything about. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know either. But what she plays but, like uh, Shi Shang's mom in this? So am I wrong about the relationship between the characters? I, I don't know if they're if if she's not the mom. Um, she's certainly a mother figure okay. to her. Um, she's at least her master in some kind of way. Uh, I think it's kind of clear that she's raised her or something. Yeah. Well, it was a huge, huge movie in terms of also of just bringing uh, like uh, kung fu movie awareness basically to the wider audiences. Surely one of the first uh, action, yeah, kung fu movies that a lot of people saw. Well, this is like at the end of the the '90s, and there was all this interest in Hong Kong type stuff. And my understanding is that Ang Lee purposely made it in a kind of a Western style to appeal to Western audiences. Well, it worked. Yeah, and uh, you know, but it is too bad that you have, you know, Chai and Fat. Uh, as Lee Mubai doing a, you know, he's great in it, and, and Michelle Yeoh obviously, and and they're they're doing like some of their career best stuff at the time, and not getting uh, the accolades for it over over here. Yeah, because um, yeah, they're just all the technical awards. It's oh, great direction, great film, great script, great cinematography. Uh, ooh, dad acting though. Mm. Yeah, it's too bad. But I do highly recommend it. And to bring it back around, uh, Cheng Pepe is is a force in this movie. She's fantastic. She gets to play. Um, she she pretends to be like a meek old lady at times, but she's just a wonderful, wicked witch of a character. Yeah, great, great film. Really, absolutely stood the test of time. Totally, um, Ang Lee Lee is is great. Actually, he's a great. He's a really underrated action director because uh, he does a lot of huge swings, like with like Hulk and Gemini Man. They're like massive swings, but 
their the action's really great in it. It's just that people don't like them because he's really swinging for defenses every chance he gets. Yeah. Because even when he misses the 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 action stuff is great. Yeah, but I mean, in particular, look at that. You know, the the famous fight between Zheng Zi and Michelle Yeoh. It's a uh, I mean that's like one of the all-time best fights I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, and this so is good. this is the action film he did where he gets the praise and also like the movie is as good as the action. Yeah, and it sort of fits like everyone like the everyone accepts in the kung fu movie that it, it's all this stuff, but when the comic book movie when he tries to make it, people are like oh, it's too comic booky. It's like, what do you, what do you want? I don't get it. <laughs> oh well. I'm I'm not a I'm not big on the comic book stuff either, so whatever. I just checked, and I think Crouching Tiger is still the highest grossing foreign film of all time in America. Yeah, because that was it was massive when it came out, so I would expect it to be actually. Yeah. Because also, just like twenty years ago, being a Best Picture nominee was a much bigger deal for box office. Like now, people only see go watch like superhero movies and. All all best picture nominees are mostly box office bombs almost, but twenty years ago it was like oh this is nominated for an Oscar and then shoots up to the top of the box office. Yeah, and then funnily enough, two years later she did uh, Flying Dragon Leaping Tiger with Sammo Hung, where she plays Sammo's wife, and that's basically like a straight uh, video. Sort of, at least it, it it was marketed over here or in the West, basically trying to be a Crouching Tiger or Hidden Dragon ripoff. Maybe not the intention huh. of the of the of the makers, but that's certainly how it was tried to be sold here. Basically, like oh, Flying Dragon, Leaping Tiger. That's like the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? Yeah, probably trying to cash in on the name. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of funny that she also starred in that, but. Bills I mean, need the to next be paid. One, yeah, Samo needed uh, needed some cash, but yeah, the next one I've seen, and I don't know if anyone see Lavender or Shadow Mask over here, or all these, but uh, Naked Weapon. Yeah, I've seen Naked Weapon, but I do not remember Cheng Pei Pei in that movie. I don't know. Uh, know Cheng Pei Pei plays Maggie Q's mom. Oh. Um, she's kind of, um, she's introduced sort of like halfway when basically when the action dies out and the movie becomes less fun, sort of, that's when, cause that's when there's like a cop who's uh, trying to track down these international assassins and he thinks that Maggie Q is one of them. And then that he goes to Cheng Peng Pei to be like, I think your daughter's an international assassin. And then... Well, basically, they meet, and then the, the villain uh, targets Cheng Pei Pei and tries to kill her. I think I, I really—it's a small part, basically thankless part, kind of two three scenes, but she does she does well. She she sells it, and I think this is because uh, this movie is I think I believe it was shot in English. I watched it in English, and everyone looked like they were speaking English. So I'm thinking maybe it was largely shot in English. I'm not sure. I mean, Maggie Q's an American, but maybe she learned the language for the film. But this is the film I was referencing earlier when I said we'd come back to Tony Ching Si Tung, who directed this movie, and he is uh, an absolute madman. Uh, made a lot of great 
action movies. He made the Chinese ghost story trilogy, Duel to the Death. Uh, and he yeah. co-directed Executioners with Johnny Toe. And then he's one of the like six credited directors on Swordsman. And he did Swordsman 2 and 3. Or at least Swordsman 3 East is Red. Uh, that one's him. Maybe he didn't do the second one. I'm not sure. But uh, that's certainly... He 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 he's got a wild style, a lot of uh, like wire stuff, and he also, of course, did Belly of the Beast with Steven Seagal, which is classic, the, which is the Steven Seagal wire foo movie. Yeah, which is absolute madness. But this one too, absolute crazy stuff, like insane action, a lot of wire foo. This is definitely not for everyone. This is pretty much a love it or hate it film, because either you're gonna think that all this crazy action uh, rules and I forgive everything else for it or you're going to think this movie is uh, irredeemable and this action just looks stupid because uh, it's written by Wang Jing who's a infamous sort of schlock merchant uh, director yeah, of a I, lot of movies City Hunters, Seven Curse, High Risk yeah, Magic Crystal I love, I love that guy <laughs> okay. Well, you love all of his stuff because he has, he makes way too much stuff. Basically, he does. But he's a kitchen sink director. He just throws everything in the movie. Yeah, and uh, the, he wrote this one, and it has. Uh, well, I'll just put it out there. There's like a midway through. There's a really problematic uh, rape scene, and because um, basically it's all about these um, young girls are all uh, recruited to this international assassin program, raised up to be assassins, and then they all got a go like a battle royale style against each other and the four that are left standing are the ones who go out to become uh, assassins out in the world and uh, but then right when they're sort of graduating assassin school the last four uh, they just have them raped so they're like okay we own your sexuality now you are impure ha 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 god in the world Uh, but yeah the first half of the movie uh, wild wild action stuff I really loved it uh, but then it kind of stops dead when they like introduce Chang Pei Pei and the cop and everything and it becomes sort of like to have drama and everything and it's like mm. when they're doing all the wire foo and all the assassins that's when it's fun but I, I really liked it still I I was willing to forgive it all the all its flaws because I really love Tony Ching Si Tung's action scenes like uh, everything I love it I love it he just always he's always just throwing everything at the screen being like what can I do here right what can I do here just never always never never tries to limit himself in any way just all all insane shit there's a lot of questionable CGI in this too and I just ah no I just love all the wild swings so I'm willing to forgive it everything else fair enough well after this there's a lot of weird stuff in this well, uh, in her filmography. According to Letterboxd, she's in uh, Street Fighter, Legend of Chun-Li, which I've seen as well. But uh, she's probably like Chun-Li's mom or grandma or something. <laughs> probably. I see she did uh, some kind of uh, possessed uh, possession-based horror movie directed by Ernie Barbarash early in his career. He kind of went on to become like a Jean-Claude Van Damme guy for a for a bit and he's one of the worst directors 
I know. I like. I absolutely hate all of his films. <laughs> He's just such a miserable, miserable director. He did like assassination games, Six Bullets, Pound of Flesh. He did Abduction with uh, Scott Atkins, Falcon Rising with uh, Michael J. White, and then just all of it is just so dire stuff. Like just he's not like he's refusing to put any fun in his movies at all. So are we on, uh, but the, yeah, uh, are we of the opinion that she should have stopped at Crouching Tiger? I mean, maybe, maybe she needs the money. I don't know. But yeah. Uh, the next one that I've seen is Legendary Amazons from 2011, which is uh, sort of like a remake of the Shaw Brothers classic, The 14 Amazons, um, which is an old, basically, it's a, like a historical battle action film uh, based um, about this uh, female army, basically, and Chang Pei Pei placed the matriarch and the, the, the leader of the army, the high commander, very respected military commander. Uh, it's directed by Frankie Chan, who directed Outlaw Brothers. He, he placed the villain in, is it uh, Prodigal Son, I believe? He placed the villain. He was the main guy in Outlaw Brothers, but he's most famous for, is he? he's a composer, and he composed like, 200 scores for Hong Kong films. Every, like everything from, from Shaw Brothers to like Wong Kar Wai he did scores for. Um, so he probably scored a lot of the movies we've talked about today even. Um, like just an insane amount of scores. But he also, he was an actor, he's a director. He directed this. And it's a very mixed bag for me. Uh, my copy was only dubbed which I think uh, really harmed it because it has a terrible dub, like very, very bad dub, very sort of trying to be funnier, I feel, than that the movie was. That's too bad. Yeah. Uh, but also Yukari Oshima is in this. I think it was sort of a bit of a comeback for her. She plays uh, one of the generals in the in Cheng Pei Pei's army and she gets uh well she gets one one action scene. This is her final movie, yeah, and it was her first movie in ten years. So it's a bit of a stunt casting. She's introduced at the start and then she only gets like one scene at the end, which is basically she's trying to cross this uh battlefield on like pogo sticks basically to assassinate the rival general. No, it's fun, fun. It's fun, uh, but it it looks very cheap. It's got some bad CGI, and the dub really marred it for me. But um, it also has like um, sort of like at the end, it does the old the classic um, like uh, reel of showing what went wrong, all the stunts that went wrong, and stuff. And that was like sort of like a hidden like oh shit, they they actually this was they did more on this than than it looked like. They sort of like. The movie undersells itself because you see all the practical stuff that they did during the post-credit uh, or mid-credit uh, sort of the classic like Jackie Chan, this is all everything that went wrong real. And yeah. it you see that, oh no, they did a lot more of this practically than what looks in the movie. So they kind of undersell themselves. But uh, it's yeah, just really mixed bag for me. I don't know whether... 
I like because yeah, the, the some of the the, um, the fights are impressive and the stunt work's impressive, but so much of the other stuff is just not good. But fun to see Cheng Pei Pei as like the really that the highly respected uh, army general, and fun to see Yukari Oshima's uh, comeback. Slash last film. Yeah, pr- so far last film. So she she it was like one and done comeback, not like Cheng Pei Pei's uh, comeback, who who's probably now made more films after Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon than she did before. Yeah, <laughs> he's done a lot. Uh, yeah. And then up next, I guess it's Lilting, which you watched, Martin. A real action classic, I believe. <laughs> well, <clears throat> this was the first one I watched um, out of the four in prep for this episode. And it made it difficult to believe that this lady was once an mm. action star. But the movie is okay. really good. It felt sort of similar as uh, The Farewell. Uh, oh, yeah, the Aquafina one. one. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. It's tender. It's, you know, it's the kind of movie that can make you cry, make you laugh. Really sweet story. Uh, Chang Pepe is great in it as well. Uh, she has one sentence in English and the rest is all Chinese for her. Uh, the only sentence she says in English is fuck you okay. very much. So that's fun. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, was just thinking you couldn't make me watch this movie and then I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's, it's a... It's a good movie. I liked it. I'd recommend it. If you can get hold of it, give it okay. a watch. Why not? Okay. Well, sure. Oh. But, uh, I mean, I think it's clear at this point that she's out of her action era. Yeah. I'll see. Yeah. Well, she is almost 80 years old. The one that hasn't stopped Stallone, yeah, has well, it? Has, hasn't no. stopped Harrison Ford. It should, but it hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I see going forward. She she did a film called Gladstone, which I haven't seen, but it's a sequel to a film called Mystery World, which I did see. So Goldstone. Yeah. Do you what mean did I Goldstone? Say? Oh yeah, Goldstone. Yeah. Gladstone. Sorry. Yeah, uh, it's an Australian yeah, movie. No uh, but yeah, I haven't seen it, but I saw the I saw the first one, so maybe I should check it out. Again, probably not a huge part. Probably just playing an old woman, because that's what she is now. I've I'm aware of Mulan, but uh, I've, oh, I've not. That one as well, yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought you had seen it because you brought it up previously with Jet Li, but. Uh, Oh, I was talking. Well, yeah, no, I've not well, seen that one. I can't imagine it's much. Oh, I watched a a clip reel for from it, and that's how I knew that Jet Li was in it. I did not realize that Mulan was from yeah. the director of the Whale Rider. 
that feels so weird. Feels like they're cashing in on a indie hit from what the this is some um this is a weird ass filmography. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's a lot that's what a lot happens to a lot of these folks in Hong Kong. Actually, Nikki Caro is No, she's Hong from New Kong Zealand. Country. Will Rider was the New Zealand uh family drama that uh, got yeah, some Oscar attention also like 20 years ago and then I guess that led to her being given Mulan 20 years later for some reason she did that Jennifer Lopez movie this yeah. year no the mm, mother shotgun wedding? Uh, the mother oh yeah how weird is that? Yeah, you're right. That is a weird filmography. But yeah, that's a honestly that's about it as far as Chang Pei Pei goes. Uh, kind of a legendary beginning to a career, and then just sort of settled into a lot of these background roles um, as of the last twenty years. But still going strong. Yeah, she's. I don't know. She looks like she's just gonna keep going until. Well, she, she hasn't made anything new for. What three years year. since Mulan came out? And. Okay. Well, I guess she was. Mulan in... was. Was it not a COVID postponement? No, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It came know. out in 2020. That's when. It can't have been postponed from 2020 to 2020. That doesn't make any sense. She. She heads a like a foundation for King Who, and that's she did. She's in that documentary that came out last year about about him. Okay, yeah. Hopefully, she also brings uh, more of his movies to Blu-ray. Yeah, I don't know how much nice. if she's behind a lot of that, but also bring some of your own movies to Blu-ray. Why is none of these box sets of Shaw Brothers movie contain any Cheng Pei Pei films? Get on that. Maybe they're going to put out a Cheng Pei Pei set. I'd be down. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. That's, that's a... Let's <laughs> hope they're listening. If yeah. Shout Factory, if you're listening to this, stop releasing... 50 box sets a year of Shaw Brothers movies with no Chang Pei Pei films in them. All right. Or else. Or yeah. else. Well, I guess that wraps it up for this episode. And uh, yeah. next week, we'll be back with some more Shaw Brothers. When we're doing a Shaw Brothers horror yes. action double of. Oily Maniac, and did we end up on Seven Golden Vampires or Boxer's Omen? Uh, I think it was Legend of the Seven Vampires. Is that right? I was fine with either. I don't remember. Well, Brenton, do you have an opinion? <laughs> Basically, your pick because you uh, have to upload yeah, whatever it becomes anyway. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just do Which that. One? I have that one, so. The Legend <laughs> of the Seven Vampires. 
Okay. Seven well, then next week we'll be back with a double with a Shaw Brothers horror action double feature of the Oily Maniac and the Seven Golden Vampires. The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Ah, uh, yes. I'll. I'm never gonna learn titles. <laughs> never gonna learn that one. That one's a, a mouthful. I just say Shaw Brothers Hammer Horror co-production. So that'll be interesting to see. Getting excited uh, over here. Dual directing duties. Roy Ward Baker with Chang Che. So, could be good. All right. Looking forward to it. All right. Then, uh, I've been Stein Rutledal. And uh, you've been... I'll introduce yourselves and we'll uh, (laughs) say thank you and goodbye. I've been Marty. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you next time. I've been Brenton. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, Be sure to check out our Patreon, all out of bubblegum. But more importantly, just go check out the site. Check out the kill counts. Join the Discord Um, and you can uh, decide who we will have to discuss in an inductee episode in the future. Thank you very much, folks. Goodbye. Thank you.